Oh, man, God is good. He's so good. It's interesting. During worship, I could share, I saw, I literally, I saw five huge angels with sickles come in the room with plow, like big tractor plows behind them. And I said, Brent, what, what do you feel that is? And he felt like they were actually coming to clean off just the, the, the little bit of wheat here and a little bit of wheat there and whatever's left and just cut it right down to nothing. And then the fresh plow's coming. And there's something new. There's something new and fresh coming in this place. Come on over this region. Oh, God is good. God is good. This is a prophetic conference, so I just want to just share worship that God. Yeah, you right there with the little bit longer hair there with the, yeah, you. Yeah, you're looking at me right there. You want to stand up? Yeah, dude, God is moving in your life. I literally, during worship, kept on seeing like a whirlwind of just around you, and he just kept on apple, just saying, tell him how amazing he is, and that all that he's, he's given up to go after me, and then just to expect, because God's given you a heart like David, and he wants you, like, dude, you're called to kill the Goliaths, and like, yeah, dude, you can see that, right? And it's just, you have a precious heart, and you're just living for him, and you've decided to go all out. And, and the Lord knows that. And he just wants you to let you know he's heard your cry. And you're going to see huge breakthrough, even in this next season. And I just, like, I just see friends coming around you, others, like, the, like David's men. Other giant killers are going to come. And there's a, there's a stirring. You got something? Yeah. And the enemy has tried to take you out. And I just want to encourage you because you've been a fighter in silence. And I feel like you've overcome an incredible victory. I overcome a battle in a victory just not that long ago. But I feel like there's such an anointing on you. I, I saw you in front of a, whether it's a keyboard or keys, it could be, it could be keys like a, a, a piano, it could be a keyboard like a, like a, like a computer, but I, I actually believe it's both. And, and God's going to utilize that. He's going to give you dreams, visions, words are going to come. You're going to be able to write them down and put them in with music or put them on code or whatever you do, I don't know. But I just see you in front of them and I feel like a incredible presence of God will come, comes upon you when you're in front of those keys. And God is actually raising you up to utilize it in a much greater area and a much greater perspective. And I, I believe you've really entered the year of a breakthrough, that there's things that you have longed for that are coming to you this season. And it's going to be such an amazing thing. So bless you. You're an amazing young man. I don't know you, but praise God. Just bless you in it. Amen. Yeah. This guy, this, this couple here with you, the red shirt and the lady, yeah, you, you guys can't stand it. Yes. Oh, you don't have to stand. You don't have to stand. I just, just saw over you, I actually saw, I don't know if you do business or something, that there's a, there's literally, I saw a treasure chest before you. And for faithfulness, you were, I saw faithfulness on it, and he was opening it up to you, and he was restoring things that were lost, and he's bringing back things that were stolen. And I just want to say, like, you've pressed in, you've believed and you're going to see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. And just to, yeah, I just want to honor you. I just want to, I just feel like in the spirit just to honor you guys and to say, good job, good job. And you're still, you've, I just want to encourage you, there's still more to come. And I, I don't know if you have a son, but I saw a son. And do you have a son? Okay, I feel like you're just going to really pray for a son. And for your son in particular. You have a son and you have a son. And uh, I just feel like to pray for him. I feel like something is going to shift and change in the very near season. And I feel like you've been remembering him and praying for him. And, and I actually feel like um, you've felt things that you've done and decisions you've made in the past, and you've carried the burden of the guilt of it. And I'm here to declare to you, you don't carry it. Uh, that was shed at the cross, it's, 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 but the blood has covered it. And something's going to shift with that, with that boy. So I just want to pray for him right now. Is that okay? What would be his first name, just his first name? 
Richard. We're going to pray for Richard right now. Father, and I just actually believe whenever a prophetic word is called out, I want to encourage everybody. We, we celebrate it in such a level as if it was our own child. Because when we celebrate that someone else got a word, it gives you access to receive the word directly in your life, even for a different application. But if we get bummed out that they got called out, it shuts the access down. And so I always encourage everybody, celebrate when someone gets a word. This is about a son, I believe a son that's going to do a radical shifting and a radical changing. And so we just lift up Richard right now and all the sons and daughters, Father. We lift up, Lord. We thank you, Father God. We know, Lord God, there's been difficult seasons. I feel, even in Richard's life, difficult seasons. I feel like a heart that's been broken. And, uh, and it could be a relationship that ended or didn't work well. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, right now, Father, that you will touch this year, this man, Father, that he'll have a nighttime encounter, Father. Even tonight, there could be a nighttime encounter of your presence and of your glory, Jesus. Uh, and we're speaking into uh, every person in this room watching right now, every son, every daughter, Lord God, that needs a nighttime encounter. We speak into it now in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are the God of miracles. Uh, you are, and uh, I, I feel like I can say, and our expectation of the miraculous is higher now than it even was when we came into this building. In Jesus' name, we bless him, Father. And we thank you for Richard. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <laughs> okay. Should we keep going? At it? You start and I get something. That's how it works. <laughs> Actually, I felt like something for some healing. Yeah, especially there's some over... Um, oh man, I'm just turning. I was just just told uh, Sebastian, like, I feel like there's a healing move moving in here, and he's like, Yeah, me too. But uh, so, Lord, we just thank you because we just asked Jesus. To, we just became more aware that Jesus is in the room, and so what did He come to do? He loves to heal His children, right? He loves to heal His children. So, Lord, we just thank you right now. Hmm. Somebody over here with your. Uh, um, it's a left knee or something. A knee. Is there something with your knee injury over here? What's up there? Oh, Chris, that's awesome. Right on. I felt that. Yeah, it's okay. Let's just put your hands over to right now. We just. Can you feel the pain right now? You can, but if we pray right now, you're going to know? Okay, we'll still pray. I want some, Lord, we just right now, we just declare healing right now over Chris's knee right now. In Jesus' name, we just command full ability right now. And we just release your power right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. Check it. I don't know. Well, if somebody have one that doesn't have a, it has a, we can check. I love checking things. I love getting excited. Let's get some more. Come on. Come on. You got something, Sebastian? Come on. Hips? Somebody's hip right now. Who's in the hip right here? Stand up. Everyone in the hip right now. And guys, around you, participate. This isn't about just a couple of us. This is just, let this God move. He wants to, I, I felt the worship. I heard the word. He wanted to come with power today. So, Lord, we just thank you for your power right now. Lord, I, actually, I just wanted to decree back in this region. We had, a, in this region, we saw incredible power, moves of God 
in this region. I just really feel that he wants to release that again. So if somebody's ready to grab the Lord, we just declare right now. We command right now healing right now. We ask Holy Spirit, just come. And right now we command all sickness, any spirit of infirmity right now to be gone in Jesus' name right now. We command every hip right now to come into alignment with heaven in the power and in the name of Jesus right now. Thank you, Father. We just thank you. Now, can you test it? Come on, we need a, anyone feeling anything? Just, just throw your hand up. Just let me know if something's happening here. Come on, we're in a, Yeah, you feeling something over there? Feeling anything? She's good now? You're all good? Yeah. Okay, that's what we... Yeah, we like honesty. We're a house of honesty. We're not, God's good, so... And he's already... We know he's good, so he doesn't have to prove himself. We already know he is. How you doing? You feeling something? Still pain? So, Lord, let's just get more. All the way. Lord, do a full work in her right now in Jesus' name. Come on, right now in Jesus' name, Lord God. Come on. We just thank you, God. Release your power right now. Right now in Jesus' name. Mm. Mm, come on. Do you feel anything? Keep testing it. Yeah, come on. All the way. All the way, Lord. Lord, just, come on. Partials? Okay, we want more, Lord. Come on, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that you are a God that completely heals, Lord God. You didn't go halfway to the cross. You did the whole thing, and you came right out of that tomb. And so release resurrection power right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The man, are you connected beside her? Are you at all? You're married? That's awesome. I just... Really connected. I just, I just heard like the, that, like the whole like you have this deliverer anointing on you, like almost like a Moses that he, you, you're called to help and release the captives. And I just see that all over you. And it's like, and I, yeah, and it's, and it's like you have this understanding that it's like when you they came out of Egypt. You know how they came out with all this, with all the gold, the silver. That's on you. That you can, you bring that to people. You have a ability to encourage people that when they get set free, they're not just getting set free. That they have an ability to go all out. Does that make sense? Yeah, come on, right on, Jesus. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Oh, yeah. Are you done? I was transitioning, but if you're done, okay. No, no. One thing, one thing, uh, something in in our heart is, um, you know, it's so good when you pray with people that are honest back. I, I think I, I'm. I travel. I've been in 48 countries now. I travel uh, about 150,000 miles a year in aircraft and I'm uh, in all over the place. And I love it when someone's not healed, they just say, I'm not healed. Yes. It's not, it, that's actually doesn't mean the person praying did wrong. What it means, the person that prayed was obedient to what the word says. What happens though is when we, when we start to feel that I have to share a testimony that didn't happen, what happens is the pressure starts to push us into, could I say fibbing, but it's lying. Now there are times where the anointing comes and you will feel amazing and you leave the meeting and you don't feel that anymore. But I truly believe that when we become into the purity of the true gifts of what God has given to us, even if your physical pain hasn't been touched, your emotional pain can be delivered if we keep pure with our testimonies. 
And I would rather be pure in my testimony internally than have no limp in my leg. I would rather, I love to have no limp in my leg, but if I have a limp in my leg or a pain in my elbow, but I know that I got prayed for by Bible-believing, God-fearing people that have such faith to believe in the miraculous, I'm going to receive something, even if it wasn't my elbow, but it was in my mind or my heart or my attitude. I, I believe we've come into a season where... Our testimonies are of relevance, of importance, and fictitious testimonies are going to be exposed. Because what happens is is when, when people and ministers will get under the pressure in such a level that they have to perform the miracle, or they might not receive the paycheck as big, what happens is we actually start prostituting the gifts and the people that willfully say they're healed just to quit the guy from speaking is paying for the prostitution by lying. And that's heavy. But this is a prophetic conference. And I believe it's time we start speaking truth. And if one gets healed out of 50 prayers, praise, the God, and ce- praise God and celebrate the one. You see, we get so into the healing anointings, or the prophetic gifts, or the words of knowledge. They're beautiful. They're important. That God, God has given them to his body for a purpose, but they're actually not as relevant to the body of Christ as they are to the unsaved. So I would be fine if a believer didn't get a word of knowledge, but an unsaved on the street did and got saved because it drew them into the questions of the kingdom of God. I think, I tell you, I don't usually speak quite like this necessarily at a conference, but, oh yeah, it's our house, so I get to do that. No, but, but I truly believe it might not be as popular with some, but I believe it's going to be popular with the ones that are worthy of what God is pouring out in this time and season. Whew. Okay. Hallelujah. You know, when you mentioned the, the angels and the sickle, um, many times they'll use a sickle to cut down the whole field of weeds to get ready to turn it over with the plows so they can actually harvest or plant seeds to harvest. And I feel like some weeds might be getting cut down. And you know what? If I have weeds and thorns or thistles or thorns or stickers or brush briars in my life, I want them cut down. And I'm sure for the weed, when they got cut down, it didn't feel good for the weed. But for the greater body of the ground, it was an amazing thing, and it was needed. And that weed gets turned over and actually turns into a fertilizer to be able to plant a proper seed. Because if you're a farmer in the wheat field or whatever, you'll know that the, the weeds will overpower. If they overpower the seed, the seed can't produce. It can't bear. It can't grow properly. And it'll, it'll literally choke out the plant the healthy plant. And I believe that we're just in a time and a season where the weeds are being cut down and the true plants, the barleys, the haze, whatever it is, is growing for a multiple production of multiple harvests, 50, 100, 10, 1,000, whatever it is. There's a multiple production that's going to take place. Amen? One of the people that I've honored so, so much uh, for many, many years, uh, a man and a woman, uh, Patricia and Ron, um, just because they've always stood on truth. 
And how many of you know that sometimes truth isn't popular? How many of you know that sometimes standing on truth isn't popular? And it's not easy. And I've been through seasons with Patricia and Ron, and I've carried pains and weight, so has, has Patricia. But one thing that I celebrate is I don't actually question their longevity of marriage. I actually don't question whether or not she's going to be in sin or she's not. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that, that, that Ron and Patricia have a steadfast relationship in marriage for 40-some-odd years, and if there's someone that's going to speak truth, she's going to bring it. Even at the expense of popularity, she'll bring it. And that's what I appreciate so much, because honestly, we need that. We need that. We need truth to be revealed, because truth sets us free. Amen? Amen. So I want you to all to stand as we honor Patricia King here tonight. Thank you. Oh, isn't it wonderful to be able to gather in the Lord and celebrate Him and, and sit at His feet? He is in this room, and He is right with you, each and every one of you. You chose to come to meet with Him tonight, and He will not disappoint you. Um, I wanted to share a testimony. A number of you in the house probably already have heard this, but a friend of mine was here uh, two, two years ago now, or almost two years ago, and um, she had had um, an injury uh, for 27 years. She had actually had an injury and then uh, had surgery. They botched the surgery, and so um, she was in bad shape. She was in nonstop continuous pain for 27 years, I believe it was. I hope I got the, the time right. I think it was 27 years. And um, she uh, had to walk with walkers and canes, and you know she was just in constant pain. But she never lost faith, and she just stood on the promises of God. She said, Lord, I just know that you're my healer, and I'm waiting for the manifestation of my healing, but I just worship you. And she just praised God through it all. And of course, some days, you know, are harder than others, but there's always a place to go back to in faith. If you falter, there's always a place to go back to. And so they were on vacation and, and came here uh, for a Sunday morning service, and after the service, one of the prayer team here prayed for her, and she felt, for the first time, a shift. Now, not all the symptoms left, but a shift. And I just wanted to, to bring that to your attention, because sometimes when you're prayed for, you might just get this little sense of something, or you know, maybe just a little bit of the headache leaves, or a little bit of the back pain leaves, or something. And um, I want you to hang on to that, because what happened over the next three days Every single symptom left, and it's still, she is completely pain-free. And not only that, um, she was on morphine. She was on morphine every uh, three to five hours, actually, uh, to be able to manage the pain for years. And so when the pain was gone, she didn't need the morphine anymore, but she had developed a dependency. Her body had developed a dependency, and so they prayed into it. And um, they felt the Lord um, tell her to go off cold turkey. Now, that's very dangerous when you've been on narcotics for that long. It's very dangerous. 
Um, but they really believed the Lord. They believed he, he told them to do it, so they obeyed. And she did have to, within the next five or six days, she did go into the hospital uh, with some dehydration a couple times and got an IV. But they made it all the way through. And in less than a week, she was totally delivered from addiction to the morphine. And so what I wanted to, what I wanted to encourage you with tonight is that sometimes those miracles, they start out with just a little sense of something, but then they progress, progress, progress. And for her, it went from one layer to another to another and into total freedom. And she um, just, it was in the following month after that, she came down into um, uh, Maricopa and testified at our Women on the Front Lines for thousands, testified of the goodness of the Lord to thousands. And she was without pain and moving completely free. I mean, it was just awesome. And then a year later, last year I checked, and she said it's still amazing. Her life has been given back to her. And uh, I was at a meeting out in uh, Lethbridge uh, just last, last summer, and uh, there she was testifying still again. It's just awesome, isn't it? So let's give the Lord a big praise. And I feel, I feel in my spirit that there are some other people that are going to have a testimony like that out of tonight's meeting. And I want to thank you for your obedience to the Lord in just leading out in that, Kevin. It's just awesome. I love, I love risk takers. I love people who are obedient to the nudges of the Spirit. And it was just so beautiful what you did. I want to uh, just bless you. And I see your mantle of um, pastoral care, but also it's like uh, the term I'm hearing is kingdom man. The kingdom man. Um, is being strengthened and fortified in this next season. And it is going to be amazing what God is going to do through your life and the building of the flock, the building of his people. And I see understanding being given to you. I see an angel coming. I see scrolls being unfolded to you because you're going to be given understanding. It's the spirit of understanding is coming to you. You're going to understand what God wants in this season and how to flow with him, how to partner with him. And the Lord says, even as you have been crying out, saying, God, I want to be in the center of all that you're doing, the Lord says, I will never leave you outside of that. You know, so you're going to catch the waves in Jesus' name. And Sharon, I had a word for you tonight. I saw you as one of the happiest women on the face of the earth, actually. And you were in this, like, it was like a throne. It was like a throne. It was just beautiful. It was a very feminine throne. And all your children and grandchildren were around you, many, many grandchildren. And they were all around you. And you have this big smile on you. And the Lord said, you know, we are, you know, by, by the nature of, you know, when a man and wife come together, we are to be fruitful and multiply, and then our children multiply, right? So that's part of God's plan. But the Lord says, some have an anointing, uh, an anointing to mother, an anointing to father, an anointing to bless the family and the generations. And I see generation after generation after generation coming forth from the womb of your faith, that you've had every prayer that you prayed for your children, your grandchildren, before they were ever even conceived. You know, you were praying for the generations to come. And I just see them coming forth the womb of your faith. And uh, you are going to give God so much pleasure, like the calling and the gifting of God on your family is so amazing. And I see so much joy that you're going to have. And also just a model. You are a model, you know. And thank you. Thank you for just being who you are. You're like a Proverbs 31 woman. So it's so exciting. 
to see what God's going to do in your life. And then also, Brent, um, this is a new season. I just see you making adjustments and realignments and course corrections. Not that you were on a wrong course. It wasn't that. It's just that for what's new, it's almost like when a train is going along a track and all of a sudden they needed to switch the track, they close off the track it was on and change it so they go in a different way. And so it's, it's like, again... I see similar to Kevin, this kingdom man, and it's like new associations, connections, and everything to, to get on the track of God because it's an era transition. And I see some wonderful connections coming forward. And there's something about like a new season for your churches in Mexico. Your churches in Mexico that you dearly love um, are going to be taken to new levels. There are going to be some exposures coming that are, are going to be just needed to, to be taken care of because a greater glory is coming. Amen. So praise the Lord. And Sebastian, um, uh, we haven't had a chance to really connect and meet, um, meet and have, have dialogue, but um, the Lord wants to celebrate the fire that is in you, that you have nurtured the fiery passion um, for him for him and for his purposes. And there's been a number of questions, a number of ponderings that you've had lately, even as far as direction and moving forward and, and, and the desire for clarity. And the Lord says clarification is coming. Clarification is coming. And I see him feeding you with birds. Birds are coming and feeding you from different directions. As you know, there's an eagle and there's a dove and there's a you know there's all these different uh, birds coming, all different kinds. I even see a, a robin, you know, and they all have food. And what I feel it is is different uh, ministry connections that you would have that are going to be feeding some in the prophetic, some in you know love language, um, others in intercession and. And uh, maybe the robin represents something to do with the blood of Jesus Christ and its song of that. But it's just different feedings that are coming to you that are going to be added to you in this next season. And um, there's going to be um, a lot of clarity on prophetic revelation. Are you a seer? Because I see, like, do you see a lot? Because I see an increase in, in seer coming. So do you already see quite a bit? You see some? Because what I see is the Lord giving you glasses um, where it's, it's, it's greatly accelerated. And so it's almost like times 100 what you're seeing right now. You know? And he says, just go into his presence and receive the anointing on your vision. And, and uh, yeah, it's going to open up. And you're going to behold things in the Lord that you, you are going to delight in. You're going to delight in what you see. Some of it is going to be weighty for you because it'll come in dreams. You're going to be waking up from dreams in intercession, and it's pretty high-level intercession. It's weighty, and so um, you might feel a bit worn out, but the Lord says, remember that he is the one who feeds you. He is the one who strengthens. He is the one who fortifies you in those battles. Amen. And, and Elizabeth, I just feel God saying, he is so in love with you and the work that you're doing. Why don't you stand? Elizabeth Time Fook is um, the founder of Young Prophets International. No, keep, keep standing. And Father, in the name of Jesus right now, we just extend our hands towards her, and we thank you that even as she's sown honor, so much honor, everywhere she goes, she sows honor. And now we, sow, we, we just release it back to her that she receive 
a harvest of honor, and she never does anything for honor. She just loves to serve. She loves to come underneath and serve your purposes and serve your people. But Lord, tonight, we just release the blessing of your honor. And I just feel the Father's pleasure over you so much, Elizabeth. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just like everything that he's been showing you, all the blueprints and all the different things that you're learning from him right now is going to be escalated in this next season. It's going to be accelerated. Amen. Well, last night, how many of you were not here last night? Put up your hands. Okay, so last night I brought a prophetic word for this season, and um, it was on Reformation. I believe that we are moving from a, um, oh, brother, what's happening here? With I don't know about these security locks. They, they lock you out of your own computer. <laughs> there we go. So... In, in Reformation, we're in a different season um, because in revival, it's an outpouring of refreshment. It's an outpouring that renews our spirit, that, that it's like going into a shower and just coming out feeling so refreshed. That's what revival is all about. It's, it's just a re, re-lifing into you, okay? And so we've been in a season of revival and renewal where God's been visiting us, refreshing us, pouring out signs and wonders, all those beautiful things. It's not that that's going to go away necessarily, but you're going to see a change because reformation involves exposure of things that require correction, require adjustment, require fixing, require a reforming. And so in that process... There needs to be exposure, which we talked about last night, um, and it's an important thing. And Jesus himself said that everything that is hidden is going to be brought into the light, Um, that every facade is going to come down, and things are going to be revealed. Now, that can be a very disturbing season, a very disturbing season. How many of you would rather not see any problems at all? You know, how many of you would just like to go on in life and just only look at the good stuff, right? But if you've got a problem in the family, it it shouldn't be ignored, it should be dealt with, but it can't be dealt with until it comes into exposure. So in the church right now, God is bringing exposure. And during that season, it's very important that we keep our faith and trust God in it. Because if we get discouraged, and it's easy to get discouraged, and I've been in some intercession over the last couple months, where I've actually lived that out in my own body, feeling the weight, the discouragement of the church, and wanting to just say, I've had it. I don't want this anymore. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And so during times of exposure, and there's more coming, um, that we have to keep the faith and realize this isn't about us ever putting trust in a human being. This isn't about us um, putting... our our trust in man, but it's about looking to Jesus who is cleaning up the church right now and it's all good and I'm going to be with him in it. I'm going to stand with him in it. So no matter what happens, we, we want to encourage you to stand strong because God, in order to reset things in a right uh, way, he is going to have to bring some exposure. But with exposure, it's not just left there. It's not just 
leaving and saying, oh my gosh, I just had a tumor exposed to my body. Isn't that terrible? No, there's a solution because once you know what the problem is, you can remove the tumor or you can mend the broken leg or you can do whatever is needed to fix the problem. So not only is it going to be a season of exposure, but it's also a season of solution. Many solutions are gonna come forth in this hour. It'll be the greatest time probably in history for the release of solutions. So it's, it's, it's very exciting. But it's a very sobering time. And as we were in worship tonight, I actually uh, received a word because tonight I want to share about the reformers, which is you, <laughs> if you're interested in that calling. Um, reformers um, uh, work on changing and improving things, right? And so God's raising up his reformers to bring Reformation. He's looking for you to walk with him in this hour. But as I was in worship tonight, I felt the Lord say, and I've, I've never heard him say this before, and so this is the first time I've ever brought this out because I just heard it a few minutes ago. I heard the Lord say that John the Baptist, um, as you know, he didn't work any miracles. He was called the greatest prophet, but he didn't work any miracles because he was bringing alignment. He was preparing the way of the Lord. He did not prepare the way of the Lord through miracles. In fact, in his day, the miracles were shut down. There weren't miracles, but there was the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he baptized people in water which is for repentance. And when the um, insincere people came, when those just wanted to get in on the, on the roll, because it must have been a very anointed move of God. John the Baptist, Jesus said, was the greatest prophet. So it must have been an amazing atmosphere that he released. And people um, responded. They were all coming to be baptized, but when those that were, insincere, were were insincere and only wanted to just be part of the flow, but their hearts weren't right with God, he had things to say about that, you know, and, and Jesus had things to say about that, okay? And so we're going to see a preparation right now for the greatest move that the history of man has ever experienced in God, and there might be for a season you will see even the miracle realm shut down by God. Now, we've been taught, of course, in this last season, this is what I was getting as I was sitting there, so I submit it to you. Whenever a prophet comes into an area, you always submit to the, the apostles of the house, and, and you know, if you don't witness with this, you can set everybody straight after, okay? But um, you can even do it in front of me before I leave, okay? <laughs> I mean, that's how much I fear the Lord on this one. But in this last season, we were, we were um, encouraged and taught how important the power of God is. Because if we're just in a form of godliness, but we deny the power, we're said in the last days we're supposed to avoid such men as those, right? And Paul said, I don't just preach with words, but I demonstrate with power, right? And so we've been well taught, well taught, 
that if we're true followers of Jesus Christ, we will do the works that Jesus did. And so we've been cultivating the power of God, cultivating the healing gifts, cultivating, you know, resurrection, um, deliverance, all these things, doing the works of Jesus. We are going after, he said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do. Now, I believe that that word that Jesus spoke over the church is going to be fulfilled in greater measure than we've ever known before, ever in, in, in church history. But for a season, because of course correction, you might hear a totally different emphasis. And what the, the Holy Spirit showed me before I got up, this was not part of my message, um, but it's part of God's message. He said, John the Baptist did not work miracles. He prepared the way of the Lord. Jesus took the waters of baptism, but he didn't really need to because it was for, for sin, repentance. He didn't need to. He had nothing to repent from, so he did it for us. It was an identificational baptism. The reason you have the ability to repent is because he already repented on your behalf. And so when you connect to that, you have the ability to turn away from sin, okay? But when Jesus came out of the waters of baptism, the heaven opened over him, and God spoke. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, right? And then what happened? Jesus went into the wilderness. No miracles. He just came out of the waters of baptism, the heaven opened, he was declared favored of God, the beloved son of God, and then he goes right into a wilderness experience where he wrestles with the devil, and he wrestled with the devil, he fasted for 40 days, I believe many believers are going to be called to 40 day fast in this coming season, um, to prepare for what's ahead, and great things are going to happen after that. And I always had it in my mind, you know, because I've read the scripture many times, that when Jesus came out of the wilderness, he went into Galilean power, which is true. He did. But what I failed to acknowledge until tonight is that before he went out in power, it said that from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he called his disciples to himself. The next thing he did, as he's preaching repentance everywhere, he's calling his disciples, and he said, leave everything and follow me. And he called his disciples to himself, and then the power came. And so there was a season where things were set into divine order, not only through John the Baptist, who was preparing the way of the Lord through repentance, and then Jesus wrestling with the temptation of the enemy to overcome temptation on our behalf. He did this all for us. And he won the temptation of every, everything the devil tempted uh, him with. He overcame by the word of God. And then he comes out of the wilderness and preaches, repent, 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 for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then the miracles came. And I feel that in the day that we're living in, we have had a lot of emphasis on signs, wonders, in fact, sovereign moves, and many healings. And I love what you shared about the exaggerations and the lies, and that there sometimes false testimony is given in even regards to what God has done. They're exaggerated testimonies, they're, they're not true testimonies, they're made up testimonies. This has been happening, believe it or not. We actually know of some situations and uh, heard of other situations, which I hope isn't true, 
you know. But I mean, God's going to address this right now. So he wants to bring us back to a place where he's saying, look at me. Turn your eyes upon me. I want to see you. I want you to look at me. Don't look at all the stuff. Don't look at your ministry or the great crowds you want or the, or the uh, miracles you want to see. Look at me, 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 me. I want your attention. And there was um, a few days about a couple of weeks ago where I was just singing constantly, turn your eyes upon Jesus, an old chorus that we sang when I first got born again. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, right? Look full in his wonderful face. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And we need to do that. We, it is so easy to go through our lives and spin wheels and, you know, just be distracted by all the stuff that's going on. And even in our Christianity, be so interested in all the peripheral, beautiful things that God gives in miracles, signs, wonders, all of that. But we can get so busy with all that that it just becomes a form of life. And it actually, even though the power is being demonstrated, it is actually still a form of godliness that denies the true power coming from relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. And so I feel like we're going to see a shift for a season so that the greater glory can come. He wants to realign us. And it starts with us as individuals with us as individuals listening to the word of the Lord because um, he's, bringing, he's bringing his reformers forward into, into the light. And it's a time when Jesus told a parable in Matthew about the wheat and the tares. You know the parable well. And he said that there was a field and, and good seed, righteous seed, was sowed into the land. But then at night... Where when they were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed other seed. And the disciples said, well, we should pluck up the, we should pluck up the, um, the uh, tares. You know, the, um, you know, we do a lot of gardening in the Fraser Valley here, right? I mean, we've got one of the most fertile uh, valleys in the whole world. It's right here. And so we do a lot of gardening, but it's really interesting because I used to do a lot of gardening when I lived here. Whatever crop you plant, there will be a counterfeit weed grow up that looks very similar to it. In the radish rows, there's a counterfeit weed that looks like a radish. It's trying to trick you, you know? It's trying to say, I'm a radish, but it's, you know it's not. And same with carrots. The, carrots. the carrot weeds look different than the radish weeds. It's very intriguing, and in wheat fields, those of you that have ever driven across the prairie, it's amazing. The, the Canadian prairies in, in wheat harvest is phenomenal because it's miles and miles and miles of golden wheat, but the thing about the head of the wheat is it, is it bows. It gets heavy with glory, and it bows, but the tares don't. They shoot up straight. And while the, the true wheat is bowing, the tares are standing erect, and they're ugly. They have kind of like a, a gray-green, smaller head on it. They're just ugly, right? And they, they show up in harvest time. And so Jesus said, don't, don't pluck them up right now, but in harvest time, my angels are going to go, and they're going to remove the tares, and they're going to burn them up with fire. 
Now, a lot of times people think, well, that's, you know, there's good believers and there's bad believers, but the way I see that tares are not bad believers, I believe it's the bad seed that somehow got inside of our life. The deceptions, the, the twisted stuff, the stuff that we gave ourselves to that wasn't true kingdom seed, it wasn't the true word, and it started to grow up in our life along with everything else, and we're in a harvest time, when those things are going to be uprooted and thrown into the fire. But we're going to see where everyone's heart is at this time because of what manifests in their life. And if you've allowed a lot of demonic seed, which is the deception of the enemy, and you've received sin into your life, that is harvest time. Now, it is going to show up and also the consequences. So, you know, it is time for us to, to, to come before the Lord and say, Lord, you know, put fire to everything in me that is not of you. Because this, this greater glory, your eye has not seen it. No, no eye has. What's about going, what is going to happen? It's going to be so worth the preparation. Because what's going to happen is that there's going to be a glory that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Neither has it even entered into our heart. If we were to be told it right now, we probably wouldn't be able to grasp it. It's going to be that big, but we have to prepare for it. We have to prepare for that move. And so God just, that's about positioning. It's about getting our eyes back on Jesus Christ in this season. And so he is looking for those that he can trust in this hour to walk with him as his reformers to bring, to bring everything back into a right order. And he needs you. He really needs you. He needs massive voice because in the world and in the church even, there is so much unrighteousness being manifest right now, so much confusion. And it is getting worse by the moment. Like it is just perverted, absolute perversion. And even in the church, unfortunately, we're seeing some messages being released um, that, are, that are just so, so immoral and idolatrous, and we need to address that and not be afraid to address it. We have to speak, speak the truth in this hour, and so God's looking for those who will be able to partner with him, not in, like, to be negative and, and that, but there's just times when, you know, you have to do what you have to do, and God's tone is changing in this hour. His tone is changing. Um, sometimes you just have to. I raised two sons, and you know, when, when I would go into um, their room and see clothes all over the floor, I would say, Chad and Sean, pick up your clothes, hang them up, time to hang them up, hang them up, and then you can come out and have dinner. I'd go back in a few minutes, and if they weren't hung up, my voice tone changed. Now, it doesn't mean that I didn't love them. I'm, I'm, I, I still have love in my voice, but it's like, Chad, Sean, Hang up your clothes. Different tone. Same, same mother, same love, and addressing the same issue. But it's the kindness and the severity. 
It's not the kindness or the severity. It's the kindness and the severity. And there's a tone change in God that's coming. He's still going to love us, but he's desperate to see us come into the right alignment. And in this next season, there's not going to be toleration. If you're going to walk with God, you'll find that, you know, if you're a true son and daughter of God, subject to the discipline of the spirit, because outside of that, you're an illegitimate child. That in this next season, you're going to know the beautiful discipline of the Lord to bring you into alignment to the fullness of God. And then he's going to use you to be a voice to love people into that place. So I'm going to give you, I've got 10 attributes of a reformer that I'm going to go through fairly quickly. But this is what I'm, what I'm sharing tonight is who you are. And every single attribute, I want you to receive those attributes and think, that's me. That's who I am. That's my heart. You're going to identify. When I bring these things out, you're going to say, yes, that's exactly what I love. That's exactly what I want in my life. Okay? So the first one is um, the fear of the Lord. The reformers are going to have the fear of the Lord. Now, Jesus said in Luke 12, 4 and 5, after he said that there was going to be exposure and everything, he said, listen, and this is out of the Passion Translation, listen, my beloved friends, my beloved friends, I love that. Listen, my beloved friends, are you a beloved friend of God? Do not fear those who may want to take your life, but nothing more. It's true that they may kill your body, but they have no power over your soul. The one you must fear is God. For he has both the power to take your life and the authority to cast your soul into hell. Yes, the only one you need to fear is God. Now, he's speaking this to, to believers. <laughs> this is Jesus speaking, and he's saying you need to fear God. It means to respect him, to have an awesome respect. When God becomes just your buddy-buddy, and the one that tags along with you and you know, the one that you say, bless my life, bless this, bless that. I want you to go get me this and answer this prayer and that prayer. He is, you know, he has lost his rightful position in your heart as the God of the universe and the God of your life. So even though he is a daddy, he's so fun, he's sweet, he's still father. And he is still the God of the universe that holds the reins to everything. And he requires respect. Don't ever, ever, ever think of God as a, as a, you know, just like another human being or some little buddy that you carry around with you. Never, ever, ever lower him into that place. He always needs to be exalted and respected and feared. And I think that we've become just a little bit too familiar with him. I heard, um, just recently, I heard a testimony of of um, a ministry couple uh, who had some other um, interns around them that were just all getting uh, drunk in the Holy Spirit and stuff like that, and laughing and then on bed jumping on top of each other and saying, oh, God is all over this. We're in love and his love is baptizing us in the bed here. And it's like, you know, three couples all there piling up on top of each other. Hello? And you think God's just being buddy-buddy to that? There's something, some deception that's come in. And what will bring us back out of that deception, whatever area, that's a very exaggerated case, of course, but what will bring us back is when we understand God is to be feared and respected. He is not just a buddy-buddy little guy that comes around and blesses our life. 
He needs to be feared. In Proverbs 29, 25, it says, the fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. And sometimes we are so afraid of man's opinion or of man's rejection of us that we won't even do what's right. And sometimes it's not what we do, it's what we don't do that is wrong. Sometimes we are required to speak up to something and we don't speak up to it because we're afraid that we'll be called religious or we're afraid that people won't think we're loving or whatever. Well, I'm glad Jesus did not have that motivation. And he said some things that were very strong and very straightforward, but he did not fear man. And you cannot fear man in this hour. We need to fear God. We need to fear God. And there's going to be people that will, you know, for those that want to obey this word and preach this word and live this word, yeah, people might call you religious or politically incorrect. They might call you that. Who cares? God is the one that we're going to live for. God is the one that we stand before in the final day. That's what we live for is that moment. You want to stand before him and think, well, you never lived for me. You were so scared of man's opinion, you wouldn't even obey my word. You wouldn't speak my word. You wouldn't speak up when I needed you to speak up. And you didn't, didn't take care of things because you were afraid of man's opinion. And so those that God is raising up are going to be amazing as far as their commitment to the fear of the Lord. They're going to respect God. That's who you are. How many of you relate to that saying, that's what I want. That's who I see myself as one who respects God. I want that. But how, how many of you also relate to when you look around you, you see that there's a lack of the fear of the Lord, even in the church, let alone the world. How many of you see that? Put up your hands. Let me see if you notice it. Yeah, most of you, mostly all of you have already seen that. That's a sad day, actually, when, when we have a whole room of people saying that they have acknowledged that. Okay, but it is out there, and when you get exposed, then we can bring the solution. That's what reformers do. Okay, the second attribute is consecration. Set apart ones for God, saying, my life is yours. I don't, don't just add you to my life on Sunday mornings. I don't just add you to my life when I'm at a conference. I am set apart for you in everything that I do. My life is consecrated. Now, in the Old Testament, when an instrument, for example, was consecrated unto the Lord, it was never to be used again for mundane purposes. And I feel like that is a really good standard for us because when, when you're born again and you have God's life on the inside of you, everything in you wants to live for him. And you don't separate your life out anymore. That would be kind of a religious thing to do, saying, well, I'm a Christian on Sundays, but the rest of the week is mine to do with as I will. But when you are consecrated unto the Lord, everything, you could even go grocery shopping and you've got the, the spirit of God just flowing through you and leading and guiding you and, you know, even go shopping for new clothes. God loves it, you know. <laughs> we, don't, <laughs> we don't separate out our life. We, we just are consecrated unto him. And it's so beautiful waking up in the morning and saying, God, I'm yours. I'm wholly yours today. And so just use me. Let the spirit flow. Let the river flow. I'm just going to yield to you because I'm a consecrated vessel. I've made my choice. I'm set apart for you. And I just love that. And, you know, it's not a separation of our lives and saying, well, 
You know, I'm just going to be all worldly-minded and flesh-minded until Sunday. No, it's not that. It's, it's just a, a life set apart for God. And in this consecration, uh, one of the things that's going to identify these reformers, you'll know that they're set apart for God. You'll stand in awe saying, wow, you know, they just love the Lord with all their heart. And they're committed to righteousness and justice in that consecration. Now, righteousness and justice is the foundation of the throne. So all God's authority that is released in the earth is righteous and just. Isn't that cool? So these consecrated vessels are consecrated unto that end. And they're going to be used powerfully. Do you know that when you have one person fully yielded and consecrated unto God, and the power of God uses them, even, even one word that they would speak could change the government. One word could, could, could change the, the, um, the climate, <laughs> you know? One word, when you have a consecrated vessel and they are committed to the throne of God, to the righteousness and the justice of God, and that's what they're consecrated unto, they, they will carry great power. And one of the reasons why we haven't seen the demonstration of the great weighty authority and power that brings awe is because we, we haven't positioned ourselves for us and received the attributes of a reformer. But God is, God is saying, this is who you are to me. In Psalm 89, 14 is the scripture where it says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, and mercy and truth go before you. Isn't that awesome? Okay, in Micah 6, 8, I love this scripture. It says, he has shown you, a man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I love that scripture, Micah 6, 8. Okay, the third attribute is God's reformers are going to be so filled and motivated by love. It's all going to be about love. Love will be their greatest aim. Now, if love is not your greatest aim, you can read 1 Corinthians 13 over again, but it's very clear there saying that if you don't have love, you are nothing, you have nothing, and it profits nothing. So that's a big zero. So love has to be our greatest aim. So especially in a time when God is bringing correction. When you are correcting your children, you better make sure love is your greatest aim. Because if it is, that correction is going to be the greatest blessing to your children ever. But if it, love is not your greatest aim and you just want to vent, it'll damage your children. So it's extremely important, and God's sensitive about this because he is love, and he wants everything that we do to be in love. And sometimes people think that love is just really soft, but you're going to find in this next season that love is pretty strong, right? And because God loves, and love is the motivation of these reformers, they will, they will love big. They will love God big. They will love people big. They will love their cause big. They're just going to love, love, love. And love is going to be the fire that motivates them, love Love for God, love for people, love for the world, love for, for their cause is going to fill them. It's going to be amazing. And um, so they are going to be lovers. So that's the third, third quality. The fourth is that they're going to be filled with faith. They're going to be risk takers. They're willing to believe God. They're willing to believe God. I think of um, Joshua, you know, as he was taking uh, God's people into the promised land. They'd been in the wilderness for all those years, being prepared and groomed 
to be taken into the land that was promised, to be able to inherit that land. And Joshua was chosen by God to take them in, but he was to obey everything, and he was to take risks. He was a man of faith who, who was willing to do the most ridiculous things. Like, look at how Jericho was taken. That's not just a nice Bible story. That actually happened. That's part of Israel's history, is that God told Joshua how to put the people doing a little march around the city and blowing some trumpets and then shouting and the whole walls come down. How many of you know that's supernatural? But you've got to have faith to lead a whole people. You've got to have faith in what the Lord told you to do to do such a ridiculous thing. I'm sure people question him saying, hello, what? We're going to take down the walls by shouting, blowing a trumpet, by doing a little march? Really? I'm sure they must have had questions, but he was a man of faith, and he knew what he had to do, and he obeyed God, and he didn't care about anything else. As ridiculous as it seemed, he was just going to go for it in God because he was a man of faith. And God will move mountains for people of faith. Mountains will move for people of faith, and I believe that we're going to see a company of reformers that are so radical. I think of Martin Luther. How many of you know he had faith? And his very core revelation that brought about the Reformation was the just, the righteous, shall live by his faith. And so he had this download to believe everything that God said about him as a believer and everything that he had as a result. And because of faith, he could confront a system that in the natural would have plowed him over big and he would have been dead. You know, but he had faith in fulfilling the promise of God, fearless faith in moving forward to accomplish everything that God told him to do. And there was a big price to pay in that. But because he paid that price, because he walked in faith, we today are enjoying the freedom we have today in the Lord is because he was willing to obey God and be a man of faith. Now, you're going to be called by God to do things, and he's going to require faith of you to trust him in the assignments he's going to give you. And some of you in this room are going to be given assignments that are so big and so weighty that it'll be impossible for you to do it on your own. And you will see the power and the glory of God because of your commitment to believe. And all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, you will see exploits done by those who believe. And without faith, you cannot please God. Because he who comes to him must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus said, only believe. All things are possible. Only, only believe. That doesn't mean believe 90%. Only believe. It doesn't mean believe a little bit. Only believe. Only believe. And so God is going to raise up reformers that are going to be risk takers, obedient to the call, willing to do anything in faith that he calls them to do. And that faith is going to produce miracles. It is going to produce miracles. And isn't it going to be beautiful after we come into a season and grooming of our lives in the Lord, of repentance and repositioning and cleansing, getting rid of all the junk, right? Getting rid of all the things. If you are in transgression right now, Jesus made it so easy. All you have to do is repent. Turn away from it. 
receive forgiveness and cleansing and then get on that right path and stay on. That's why Jesus said to the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, she was caught right in the very act, and he said she was forgiven, he forgave her, and he said, go, sin no more, right? Just go in another direction now. Move in another direction. And people who position themselves like that in this day, and we reposition, say, I'm ready for the new day. Your mercies are new every morning. I'm going to go 100% for you in this hour, and I'm not looking back. I'm not looking back. I'm going to be a person of faith, and in that faith, I will see heaven come to earth. Through that faith, I will be a catalyst to do amazing things for God and for his glory. Okay, the fifth value is you, as reformers, are of impeccable character. Impeccable character. Now, Matthew 7, 3 to 5, Jesus said, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. Jesus, Jesus was love, but he kind of, you know, he, he used strong language. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, when you're walking in impeccable character, you know, and we can, why? Because the character and nature of God lives within us. We can let that out by faith. We can manifest. If, if you remember who you are, you'll know that old things have passed away, all things have become new. You've been given the righteous nature of Jesus Christ, and you get to live that out by faith. And if you do, you will manifest impeccable character. And so when we go before the Lord and we say, Lord, if there's anything in me, search my heart. Search my heart and show me if there's any way that is not congruent in my life with what you have created me for with what you did in your, in your new life that you gave me that is full of your character, your nature, your purity? Is there anything that I am not living out that, that has already been given to me? And let him speak to you because when that becomes clear, then you can clearly see what other people need to be free. And it won't be with, oh, look at you, you've got a problem. It'll be, oh, can I help you? You're struggling. Can I help you? And the reformers that God is raising up in this hour are going to have that spirit. In John 14, 30, Jesus said, I will no long, longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Now, Jesus walked in such impeccable character that there was no landing strip for the enemy. The enemy couldn't land anywhere. And I shared last night that we, we have to understand that when when we transgress, when we sin, that affects not only ourselves, but it affects everyone in our sphere of influence, and it affects the world we live in. Through one man's sin, Adam, everyone had sin enter them, through one man's transgression. And the whole atmosphere of the universe was impregnated with sin, and the destruction and the decay and corruption that comes with it, with one man's sin. And so we have to know that in this hour, when we choose to give the devil a right, he can operate so it affects the world we live in. It's not, especially on social media, you'll have people that are, you know, sharing all kinds of things and trying to defend themselves and their sin that they're in and even try to endorse it. And that's hurting the whole world. That's hurting everyone. It's spreading like wildfire. But the good news is, is through one man, Jesus Christ, 
Righteousness became available to every person, and righteousness swallows up wickedness, right? And so we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, and so we can let him out, right? Every righteous choice we make, every time we are congruent with the life that has already been given to us, and we choose God's nature over our carnal nature, when we make those choices, we're filling the earth with the power of his righteousness, and it's so powerful, so amazing. And character is going to be the emphasis in this next season. So things like lying, don't lie, and especially it's tax season coming up. And sometimes we think, well, I'll just, you know, maybe not report this, or, uh, you know, maybe I'll just exaggerate a little bit and, you know, say I had a greater loss, in fact, on my investment property. Maybe I'll just move a little invoice over so I could cover that and get more tax benefit. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. It's not the nature of God, right? No lies, no exaggerations, no gossip. <laughs> Cheating. Unforgiveness, bitterness, immorality, idolatry. Character will be emphasized in this season, and so we're going to be impeccable in those areas. I was just recently, I was in a situation where, where a believer was saying over social media that he was going to uh, sick the FBI on me and take me to court and stuff like that. And I had emails from friends come in saying, whoa, what's going on? What did you do that the FBI would be sent out against you? And I said, absolutely nothing. I said, that is what makes me feel so comfortable. I don't have to prove it to anyone. I just know before God that my heart is clean. I've done nothing illegal. I've done nothing to harm anyone. Um, and, I'm, and I'm free. And I said, if the FBI did come, I would be so thrilled. You know, because they would get to look at my life, get to look at all my books, get to look at everything, and they'll find that I'm innocent and free and beautiful and I can preach the gospel to them. And if I ever got taken to court, wouldn't that be fun? To be able to testify and witness under oath to the glory of God. Amen? So when you have impeccable character... Unless they hire false witnesses like they did with Jesus, you know, but he wasn't worried because he knew his heart before God. He knew that, that, that there was no landing strip. So even though they had false witnesses uh, to, hired to testify against him, tell lies about him, he wasn't worried about it because he knew it was going to work together for good for the culmination of the covenant that he cut on the cross. It's just amazing how God works everything together for good. Okay, the sixth quality of these reformers are they're going to be willing to suffer persecution. And per persecution, by the way, is a great blessing, even though it doesn't feel like it at the time. But 1 Peter 3, 13 to 17 says, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Now, all of you have probably had an opportunity to suffer for the Lord, 
be persecuted, maybe in your families or your workplace or whatever. Hopefully, all of you will have had a good dose of that from time to time. Because that's when you realize the privilege, saying, God, it is an honor to be able to suffer for you as you did for me. And what it will do is it'll make you remember Jesus, saying, Jesus, this little thing that I'm facing now is nothing compared to what you did, but it's giving me a little taste. It's called the fellowship of his sufferings. And if we are not willing to embrace persecution, you know what's going to happen? We'll falter to the fear of man rather than the fear of God. But God wants you to know ahead of time, reformers, that there is great blessing when you are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Matthew 5, 11 to 12, Jesus said, Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. Just make sure it's false, okay? For my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So not only are you blessed through the persecution in a greater connection to Jesus Christ and the joy that comes afterwards, but there's eternal reward if you get persecuted. I remember a pastor in this region, actually. A pastor came to me years ago when we had planted a church over a mission, and he said, you know, I just, uh, you know, we, we believe you're a heretic. I want to look, um, look at your statement of faith. So he went through it and asked me some questions. And he said, well, I guess you really are Christians, but I just want you to know I'm coming on behalf of the ministerial. And, um, and he said, I, I um, you know, we don't believe in you. We don't want you to be part of the ministerial of the city. I said, well, thank you. Thank you for... Thank you for telling me. And I said, I've actually heard from some other people that you've actually been preaching against me and against our church from your pulpit. He said, that's true. I do. Because they need to hear. They need to be warned because you're teaching heresy. I said, wow. Well, thank you for being honest. And I said, you know, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you've been such a blessing to me. He said, how have it been a blessing? I said, well, the Bible says that when you are, are spoken against falsely um, and, 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 and reviled, that not only are you blessed, but great is your reward in heaven. And I said, I said to him, I said, one day I'm going to be in heaven receiving my reward, and I'm just going to have to let everyone know that you deserve the credit for that. So it, 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 it felt really good to say that. It really did. It felt really good to say that. And um, he, he didn't really like it. But interestingly enough, he actually got fired within the year of his own church. But not that I wanted that. Um, but there were some issues in his own life. And so, you know, it's a time when we do need to be uh, walking in the fear of the Lord. 1 Peter 5.10, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, I think some of you in this room tonight have been going through persecution. You've been feeling the weight of resistance, even for stands that you've been taking in the Lord and on his word. You've been resisted by even some close friends or family, uh, people in your workplace, people in your church maybe, uh, people on social media, and it, and, it's, and it stings a bit. Who am I speaking to? Put up your hand if you relate to that. 
<laughs> all over the room, right? But your reward is coming. Just remain in a sweet spirit and just know that for the sake of your love for God and your love for the people and your love for his truth, that you are willing to take a stand and you're willing to even receive the persecution for it because you know that it's going to turn out good in the end. Okay, the seventh attribute is humility. The reformers that God is raising up are going to be having carry great authority, but they're going to be very humble, and they're going to esteem others as greater than themselves. They're, they're, they're not going to be narcissistic. Amen? They're going to undergird others. They're going to come under others to empower them. And we're taught in the scripture to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And as we do humble ourselves, we will be exalted. The Lord will exalt. But we should never look for exaltation. If you look to be humble and to clothe yourself in humility, you will automatically get exalted. But if you look for exaltation, you'll become narcissistic. And that's a huge problem in these days, by the way. It's being highlighted by the, by the Spirit of God right now. Narcissism is highlighted. And he doesn't want any of us to have that. It's, you know, self-exaltation, self self-absorption, uh, self self-attention. Everything's about self. And we're taught to die to ourself and to walk humbly before our God. Now, that doesn't mean we beat ourselves up. We need to have a right opinion of ourself based on the truth of God's word. So you can, you can say in humility, I'm a child of God. I'm favored in the Lord. I'm blessed of my God. And that's being humble because you're speaking the truth. But when you look at another person, you look to esteem them, esteem them and honor them higher than yourself. You're able to, to defer to others and to, to, um, to lift them up in the Lord. You're not wanting the limelight. You're not a big celebrity wanting the biggest place. You're looking to be humble, and you are submitted as well. We're to submit one to another. The eighth one goes along with this. It's servanthood. And Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom will be the servant of all, right? He's talking about himself. He is the greatest in the kingdom, and he is the servant of all. So if his nature is in us, we need to unlock that and look for ways to serve so that we're not looking at how we will be lifted up by others, and we won't have a, an entitlement mentality, but we'll look for ways that we can serve and bless. I was sharing with, with Brent earlier that when we were, um, and I think I had this talk with Elizabeth today too. Maybe it was Elizabeth I was talking to about this. But when we were raising up our ministry teams and, you know, people have the, the, the hand of God on them, so we're helping them get started. I said to our team members, I said, don't look for someone's pulpit to stand in. I said, what I want you to do is look for, for those that are hungry and thirsty and go out into some of the most isolated areas that you can find and find the people that are hungry to be, to be touched by God. And I said, in a lot of the isolated little towns and, and that in our area, they never have anyone go there. And find a house that is worthy. Find, you know, offer to go in and serve and to bless. Go and raise your own money to get there and cover your own expenses. Do everything that you can to bless those people. And when you get there, if they need chairs set up in their living room, you help them sweep the walkway, do the dishes, pour the coffee, do whatever, and be a true servant and love them. Love them. 
You're not there to be the big celebrity. You're not there for them to bow to you. You are there to serve them. And when you deliver the word to them, deliver it with all your heart to give them the choicest revelation that God has given you, the very best. Go in and serve them well. And don't expect anything from them. If they do give you something, that's great. But don't expect that. Expect to lay your life down to serve them. Now, you don't hear that very much. As ministers are being groomed today, oftentimes it's how big of a platform can you get? How many people can you minister to? How many social media followers can you have? And how big are the offering? I heard something so deplorable today. I thought I was going to vomit. And I heard that there was two separate ministers. These are stories from two separate ministers who went in to minister. And one of them was in an Eastern Bloc European nation. And when they... they you know, the people there gave him a, a really generous, very generous offering, especially for that area. But even in the U.S., that would have been a generous offering. I would have thought that was a generous offering. But uh, when they got home, the office contacted the leaders in that Eastern Bloc nation and said, um, this is way too small. You've got to send us more money. What? How sick. Yeah, that's what I said. Same as what you just did. But then I heard another story of someone here on this continent who went out and ministered and got a healthy honorarium, and they said, this isn't enough money because I get this much per session. And I thought, are you kidding? Are you kidding? You should be fired right now, fired from ministry. Go into the dirt and, and help, you know, help serve people that can't get out of the dung heap. Go and help them. You get in there with them and do that and forget about yourself and your celebrity mentality and everything. Boy, oh boy, you know. And sometimes we have speakers that want to come into an area. I, I don't know if you have this, but they've got their checklist. It has to be a certain status of hotel, a certain, certain this. It has to have a gym in it. It has to, and I get so much procession. I, I don't even give them the time of day. I won't even have them in. Because that's not our values. Our value is servanthood, and that's God's, God's values. That's not mine. That's God's values. And minister, the word minister in the scripture actually means servant. Servant. I think we really need to meditate on that one for a while. We come in and lay our life down. That's what Jesus did. He left heaven and laid his life down. He gave everything. He didn't spare anything. He gave it all. All that he is and all that he had. Where's that kind of nature being manifested in the church today? No wonder God wants to maybe subdue some of the miracles right now in order for us to get this so that we can be in right alignment. And so we want to always be servants to the people that we're serving. And I just want to say about ministry, ministry, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, there's my ministry, my ministry, my miracles, my this, my that. I get so tired of hearing that. But you don't even know what this is all about. You know, this isn't about you. And the people of God are not there for you. You are there for them. I will preach that. <laughs> okay, moving along. The ninth one is wisdom warriors. You're going to be wisdom warriors. We're we are in a season of battle, probably greater than what we understand right now. The systems working behind the scenes, the demonic 
systems behind the scenes that are coming out to steal, to kill, and to destroy could just abolish all of our rights overnight. Already in Canada, we've lost a lot of rights and you know, politically correct stuff. You can't even say certain things or do certain things in your schools. You can't even teach your children certain things. If your children go to a, you know, a counselor and um, you know, the counselor tries to you know, give them righteous morals, you know, they could lose their license and be put in jail for it. I mean, it's getting so ridiculous. But we haven't seen anything yet. If we don't, if we don't get our act together, it's going to get a lot worse, right? So we need to have a warrior spirit, a warrior anointing. But it's from wisdom, wisdom. If we just think we're going to, I'm a warrior for God, man. I'm his reformer, and I'm going to get rid of all this junk out there. And we start throwing out our cannons or nuclear missiles. We're going to just blow everything up. So God is looking for warriors and being willing to fight, but it has to be in wisdom. And wisdom from above, according to James 3, is first pure, then peaceable, it's gentle, it's easily entreated, it is full of mercy, and it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Amen? So even though we're at war, we're going to war with a smile. We're going to war with love. We're going to war with his grace. We're going to war with his truth. And we're going to war nice. Right, Canadians? In fact, Canada, let's show the world how to do it. We'll war nice. <laughs> with the wisdom of God. We need the wisdom of God. Because when weighty words come to the church, it has to be born out of love and wisdom. Otherwise, you'll blow up the whole ship. You'll blow up the innocent with the with the ones that, you know, with the demonic forces that need to be blown up. And we have to be very careful. And these reformers that God is raising up are going to be wisdom warriors. And they'll be unwavering in the fight. And they'll be full of solutions. They're going to go after it. And they're going to follow the Lord into battle. And they're going to know the King of glory, who is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, the captain of the armies of heaven. They will know him. They won't just, just follow him. They will know him intimately. These reformers will. And that's what will enable them to fight. And then the last, the last attribute is generosity. John 3.16 is your key. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has this huge heart. Do you know that humanity, the last thing we deserve is the best that God has. We failed him. We rebelled against him. We were rude to him, cruel to him. Even what we did with his son, oh my gosh, it's, it's deplorable. But God so loved the world that he gave. He says, I'm willing to give all that I am so that I can reap a harvest of beloved children who will be with me for all eternity. And so we're going to see a generous heart in these reformers. And even as Jesus gave it all, these ones will say, God, I'm going to give myself completely to you. 
I am your gift. I, I, I'm giving myself to you as a gift, and I'm giving myself as a gift to the body, and I'm giving myself as a gift to the nations. I'm giving myself as a gift to the, the loss, and I'm going to be a benefactor. I am going to be someone that just looks for ways that I can give your goodness every single day. I'm going to give your goodness to everyone that I can find. And I'm going to be a laid down lover. And I'm not going to love the world. I am going to love you. And I am going to give into the world that I live in, the bounty of heaven. And as we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. As we sow our love and our generous our generous wisdom and our righteousness and our truth and our time and all of this as we sow it in, this, in, in, in these coming days, we are going to reap beyond anything that you could ever imagine. Now, another thing that's going to happen just as I close here, and I'm going to pray for you. There's going to be a big impartation for you tonight. I really have believed for that today. But in Isaiah 60, Isaiah 60, I've lived in that scripture since I was brand new in the Lord. It was the first rhema word I ever received in the Lord. And I've been in the Lord now for 44 years, okay? And when I received this scripture, it's been my life scripture. I've never come out of it all these years. There isn't a, a week that goes by that I don't ponder Isaiah 60. But it says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The word glory in the context of Isaiah 60 means wealth. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory, the wealth of the Lord has risen upon you. It goes on to say, His glory will appear upon you. Get ready. Get ready. And then it goes on to say that nations and kings will come with wealth. And, to, and give it to you. It talks about what kind of wealth. It's not, it, it's not just, you know, you can't even spiritualize it because God lays it out. It's commodities. It's camels, like cars, I guess, would be today. We don't ride around on camels, but they did in that day. But it would be cars, and it talks about fancy wood and gold and silver and fragrance and all these extravagant things. God lists and said, this is what's going to come to my people. But it's going to come. It's very clear throughout scripture is that we, we receive according to what we sow. We reap according to what we sow. So these reformers are going to need the resources of heaven to accomplish the Lord's glory in these coming days. And so we are going to be sowing unto that. And we'll sow our lives. We're going to sow our lives. And I just want to say that I know that a number of you are going to be so marked by God in this, in this, in this season, so marked by God that you're just going to have it in you. I've got to give more of myself. I've got to give more of myself. I've got to give more of myself. And I remember when my husband and I got our call I mean, we, from the time I got born again, I actually believed in tithes and offerings. I don't even know. I never heard about a tithe before, but I just had this insatiable desire to give. And my husband wasn't saved yet. He didn't get saved for 11 months after I um, came to the Lord. And, um, and, but he had given me a grocery allowance, and I thought, I'm going to tithe off my husband's income, off of his gross income. I'm going to tithe. And so when I looked at the grocery allowance, it was almost, I mean, it was just a bit more than what 10% of his gross income was. 
And so I thought, okay, I'm going to tithe out of this because I just have this insatiable desire to give it all. And so I tithe, and I had very little money left for groceries. So I thought, okay, God, I'm a brand new believer. I said, okay, God, I've given it all, and I'm going to believe you for the food because my husband's going to wonder why he doesn't have the food when he gave me such a healthy grocery budget, right? So I had miracle food for 11 months. I'm not kidding you. The provision of God. I learned miracles realm very quickly in my in my Christian walk. And so we had all this food and plenty of it. It was just crazy how it all came in. So I came to know God as this God of glory who, who provides. And then when my husband got saved, he automatically had this desire to tithe too. And I said, well, you've already been tithing. I said, I've been tithing off your income all this last year. He was, he was pretty excited during tax time because we got a lot of money back. But it was just like, that's what started it. And then every time that God would increase us in the anointing, we would have this desire to do these extravagant emptying out of our resources. Many times we emptied out every single bank account. We've given houses away, cars away, I mean, whole wardrobes away. I mean, like we just have this desire to give, right? But what happened is that we get it back. We have many houses now, many lands, too many clothes. I can't keep, every time I sew clothes out to give them to other people, it just fills up again, supernaturally. Cars, vehicles, everything that we need in copious amounts. And even though we gave it all, there was just this thing, I've got to give it all because you're worthy, Lord. And we're going to come into a season, we're going to see more of this. And it's just this feeling, it's not even, even though I understand the principles, when you sow, you reap. And I believe in kingdom economy, and I believe that we should all learn it. I believe that we should all learn to live according to kingdom economy, because it is true. It is absolutely true. And as you tithe, as you sow, as you, you know, give your alms and all that, there's promises attached to each one, and you should get to know that because it works. It's God's word. But what I'm talking about is even bigger than that. I'm talking about this abandonment in the Lord where you just, you just want to lose it all for him. You just want to give it all. And where you come to a place where God plus nothing is equals everything that you need. Everything that you desire just doesn't matter about the other stuff anymore. And I see, especially amongst the younger generation, a group of younger generation reformers that are saying, I'm for God, and everything I have is, is about Him, and I'm willing to live by faith. I'm willing to lay my life down and trust Him. <coughs> and there's this massive company of believers that are just going to run with God and be so unentangled by the world. We live in a world that puts so much demand upon our senses. You have to have bigger this, more of this, more of that. And it just gets to be a point where it's like a burden. Have you ever just seen that? Ron and I, we just, we just said a couple of years back, we said, wow, all this stuff we have takes so much attention, so much time. Let's just streamline it. Let's be a blessing to other people and download some stuff, get offload some stuff, and just give it and sow it and just live streamlined and live this simple life with not a lot of weight. And oh, it felt so good. <coughs> and we do need to, in this next season, ask God, what does it look like to live in absolute abandonment to you, Lord? Thank you. 
What does it look like to, to yield it all? And I can testify, I can testify to the goodness of the Lord is that it just all comes back more and more on every wave, on every wave, on every wave. And then you say, God, but I want to yield more to you. You just yield more and it comes back and it comes back. Sometimes you have to wait. There's a waiting season. But it feels so good to know that you've just released it all. And I just believe that in the society that we live in, where a spirit of materialism, a love for money, has gripped us so big. And we've just been in it. I mean, we grew up in it, right? It just, you know, it's everywhere we look. All the marketing, everything is about that. You know, just get into some more debt, buy some more stuff, do this, give that, whatever. And it's just, there's, there's no end to it. But God wants us to yield to him and just release it to him. And not because we have to, but because we have this desire to give it all. And I just believe that we're going to get into the miracle realm, just like it talks about in Isaiah. I've been waiting my whole Christian life to see the fullness of Isaiah 60 manifest. And I've seen certain levels of it, but I haven't seen the fullness of it yet. And I want to see it escalate more and more and more in greater and greater ways. And I'm positioning myself to receive the wealth of nations. Because what God's going to do is he's going to move the wealth of the wicked to the hands of the just. Reformers in these coming days, we are going to need not just millions, but billions of dollars to transform and to reform cities and cultures and nations and to look after the poor and to annihilate poverty. We have so much work that we're going to do. And you know what? It's all going to get done supernaturally. But God looks to those that he can trust, that he can trust with, with the stewardship of that level of kingdom authority. And I believe that I see a room full of people who are true reformers with every single characteristic that I mentioned here tonight. You might not be walking in the fullness of it all right now, but I could feel the witness of your spirit. I could hear you say, yeah, this is what we need. This is what I want. I would like to be like that. How many of you were witnessing to that as those different characteristics were coming forth? That's because that's who you are. It's who you are. You're not just, I mean, you wouldn't even be here on a Friday night if you weren't passionate for the Lord. You would be at a movie or, you know, something, but you wouldn't be here. So this is the cream of the crop here. God's called you here because you're anointed as reformers. And I want to pray for you tonight. I'm going to invite you to come forward in a moment. But before we do, I felt I left the generosity one to the end because I thought we can seal the word with an offering. We can sow into that word. We can sow into God and to the word that he gave us and into this next season. And I believe it's going to be the greatest season of return because it's this complete abandonment of our lives unto God. How many of you want to live in abandonment unto God in this, in this next day? A, a few of you? Just a few of you? Put up your hand high. Wow, there you go. I knew it. I knew that you were brought here tonight. So what we want to do tonight is to give you an opportunity to give God in the atmosphere of this word to sow generously into into this word tonight and into your future and into what's coming 
and to be able to give as God has been generous to us, that we give back to him in the same generous spirit and seal that in us. And I'd like to invite every single one of us to give something into his heart and into his hand. And so if you're uh, uh, giving, I'm sure that they'll put ways to give up on the screen here. If you're making out checks, make them to Windward. They have, I think, a debit machine or whatever at the back. There you go, push pay at the back. Or no, push pay text, Windward to 77977. And um, you can write checks. You can use your bank cards or you can give cash. If you need an envelope and you don't have one, put up your hand and we'll make sure that you get one. I think they're on the back of every seat, but just in case some of you don't have them. And let's, let's make this big in the Lord. Let's bless him big. Thank you, Lord. You know, there's been such an abuse in the area of offerings. How many of you saw Benny Hinn's? Um, wasn't that amazing? I loved it so much, man. I thought, yay, Benny Hinn, yay. You know, because there's been an abuse. And how many of you have hated that? You know, it's like almost like a manipulation that's come from the pulpit in order to line people's pockets. And, and you know, we want to address that. But at the same time, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Is that Jesus is worthy to be honored with the first and the best that we have. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to give to you, to offer an honor offering, Lord God, to give you the first and the best, to give you a gift from our heart out of the generosity of our spirit, Lord God, as we rise up in this new season and, and get excited about all that you're going to do to bring alignment and to bring order and to bring power and to bring bring your kingdom forth and that we would be like Jesus. And so we honor you tonight, Lord God. We thank you for this opportunity to give and to bless in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask that not only would you bless the seed, expand it, multiply it, but bless everyone who's sowing tonight too, in Jesus' name. Amen. And if, are there people watching online tonight? Are there people watching online? So if you're watching online, um, please, you know, we invite you to give also, partake of this, and let it be a life-changing moment. My husband and I oftentimes have given specific offerings that we knew were, were a shift offering that after that point, everything shifted. There was something special on that offering, and I believe that that's here tonight, too. I can feel that weight here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, as we look at you, who is the greatest reformer ever. <laughs> you, you reformed everything so that we would be able to be with you in eternity. You took care of everything. And so we want to receive and drink up more of that reformer anointing. Now, last night, I invited um, you forward to receive empowerment in the reformer anointing. And I want to do it again. And I want you to go deeper. If you were here last night, I want you to go deeper and just receive everything that God has for you. Drink in that anointing because God has need of you. And receive the engrafted word. Receive it. And so um, feel free to come forward, especially if the offering basket has passed by your row. Come on forward and stand here. I want to pray for you. 
And let that, let that go deep inside of you. Let the word, let the calling go deep inside of you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Any of you that want to be marked as a reformer in this hour, that you're saying to the Lord, what you're doing in this season, I bear witness to, and I'm going to be in that, in that company. I'm not going to be left out. And God sees your heart. As you're coming forward tonight, God sees you. All of heaven is watching you. There is a great company of witnesses in heaven that is surrounding you, that is saying, yes, they're cheering you on because of the purity of your faith, the purity of your motives, the purity of your passion to enter into this new prophetic season of God as we are prepared to see the greatest, most powerful harvest and move of God ever. But this positioning has to come and, and this, this alignment has to come. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, just lift your hands up into the glory. Start praying in the Spirit. Start praying in the Spirit. Pray in a heavenly language. See in my spirit right now is a powerful anointing that's coming upon intercessors. And there's going to be new levels of groaning and birthings that are coming upon intercessors. And even like Evan Roberts, who would go out every single night to prayer meetings because he knew the move that was coming. He could feel it in his spirit. He knew his nation was going to be impacted. And so he groaned and he travailed and gave birth. And so if you're an intercessor, I want you to wave your hand right now. Wave your hand before the Lord and say, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. And Lord, I thank you for an accelerated release of your anointing upon each one. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, especially for the groanings and the wailings and the birthings of the Spirit, Lord God. Fire! 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 Woo! Fire! There are many of you in this room that I believe are called to the business mountain. If that is you, wave your hand at me so I can see where you are. The Lord says that there is going to be a new wave of his 
of his wisdom that is going to be imparted to business owners. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I loose the wisdom. I loose the wisdom to them now in Jesus' name. A new level of wisdom for solutions, Lord God, that they be empowered, Lord, empowered for expansion, empowered, Lord, to expand your kingdom, the essence of your kingdom through their business and impact the world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And who is called to the government government mountain? You might not be operating in it right now, but you know that you're called. Who is that? Oh, boy. Only one? Come on. Anyone else called to the government mountain? We need more. Come on, Canadians. We need to get in there and, and change the nation. We need reformers to arise. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I release the Reformation anointing that will influence and affect government and that you would stir, stir your people, Lord God, to take hold of that mountain of influence and to even run for office and get involved, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Oh, I see a lot of reform coming through the media, through social media. And many of you are going to be having... Um, you know, communication through social media that is going to be heard and going to be responded to. And it's it's not about you getting attention. It's not about yourself. Um, I, I was uh, having a meeting with someone today and they showed me a picture of a, of a minister and they had like about a hundred shots of themselves. Every single shot had themselves in it. I thought, oh, yikes. That's a manifestation. <laughs> But this isn't that. This is about you giving to the people as a reformer things that are going to build them, things that are going to fill their spirit and change their mindsets. That's where the battle is. It's in the mind. And the Lord says, I'm raising up reformers in social media to change the mindsets. The mindsets that are incongruent with me shall be transformed into that which is aligned with me. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, raise your hands up in the glory. If you want that anointing for social media father in the name of jesus i release the reformer anointing in social media in jesus name thank you lord anoint your servants lord let them have a voice of a reformer the voice of a reformer give them creativity lord in jesus name Woo! thank you father whoa Do you like technical things? I just see technology all over you, and God's going to expand your understanding. You're going to make things happen. You're going to be able to put things together and make things happen. And It's just like solutions, and people will come to you with problems, and all of a sudden, you'll know exactly what to do because God is giving you solutions in the area of technology. So, Lord, I just pray for a blessing upon him. The Lord has seen your faithfulness. The Lord has seen your servanthood. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just anoint him in this new in this new season, Lord God, to be a reformer, to stand strong, Lord God, to give forth all that you've put in him, all that you've invested into him will be given forth into new levels of expansion of understanding in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.
Karabashikalanda. Are there any educators here? Any educators? Can you wave your hand at me? Oh, we need reform. We need reform in the education system. You see, we can't all hide out in the church. This company of reformers is going to reform the world. And so, Lord, I bless those that are in the education system and making impact. And I pray for more. That we would be able to find our way in and carry the voice of a reformer and the heart of a reformer into the education system that every child in Canada will have an opportunity to be educated in the truth. Align to your purposes, oh God. You can do it. It looks like an impossible situation right now. But nothing is impossible. Only believe. <coughs> so Lord, we release the spirit of faith over your people to believe for reform in the education system in Canada. Whoa! Make the voices loud. Whoa! That we will not be silent. Thank you, Father. Woo! Wow! The Lord says, I've called you as light in the midst of darkness. Light in the midst of darkness. Light, you are light. Say, I am light. I walk in the light. I am the light of the world. Jesus said I am. And that makes me a reformer. <laughs> praise the Lord. Come on, praise him for that. <laughs> 